A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source in Pro Power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Yay! This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. Yeah! The remedy for boredom is here. Hang on, we're going for a ride, baby. Yes! And congratulations to all of you and to us because today, this is the 20th show, the 20th anniversary of the People's Podcast. Can you believe it? We've done 20 episodes so far. Very, very cool. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about many things. Also, if you've been following me on the Twitter, at I am Jericho, or on Facebook, Chris Jericho, or on Instagram, Chris Jericho Fozzie, you know we're in the middle of the countdown, the countdown to find out what the title of my new book is, and to see the cover, and wait till you see the cover, uh, and we're going to reveal it this Friday on the Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram, and we'll reveal it right here on Talk is Jericho as well. So uh, check that out on Friday. People are waiting. It's kind of like when they're trying to figure out who the new pope is going to be, and they have uh, the smoke coming out of the Vatican to let you know that the new pope has been chosen. Well, that's what's going on. The smoke is arising from my cabin in the woods in northern Manitoba as people await with bated breath on what the title of Jericho's third book is. And maybe that's it. Maybe it's going to be Jericho's third book. Maybe I'm going to throw a little twist at you. Talked about the Oscars a couple weeks ago. Still making me laugh. John Travolta wearing a, just a tremendous toupee when he got he gets up there and he's talking about a broad this Broadway star called Adina Menzel. And she she's going to sing a song and he, he's like, well, let's hear what John has to say. Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazim. How did he get Adele Dazim from Adina Menzel? 
And also, what was up with that ridiculous like speech pattern? The wickedly talented Adele Dazeem. And no apology, no explanation. He deserves a big Jericho raspberry for that. That's what you get for that, Travolta. I loved you in Pulp Fiction. I'm a huge Barbarino fan. Oh my God, Mr. Carter, I thought you was going to die, I swear. Carrie, Blowout, Look Who's Talking, all those amazing movies that you've made. But then to, to translate Adina Menzel to Adele Dazeem, and then not even, you deserve a Razzie for the worst Oscar introduction ever. Now, if you don't know what the Razzies are, they are uh, kind of the anti-Oscars. They're the awards that are given out for the worst movies, for, for raspberries. They get a big raspberry, <laughs> a big patented Jericho Razzie for John Travolta today. But the Razzies were, were awarded March 1st in Hollywood. I believe it's the day after the Oscars. And uh, let's go through. It's, it's funny because um, this has become kind of a Hollywood tradition, and some Hollywood A-listers actually embrace it. Whereas in 2009, Sandra Bullock showed up in person to collect her Golden Raspberry Award for All About Steve. And she bought uh, brought a wagon full of DVDs of the movie to give out to all the attendees. Let's hear her speech. I think this is an extraordinary award. Uh, and I, I didn't realize that in Hollywood that all you have to do is say you show up and then you get it. Um, no, but this is really wonderful for, for the most important reason. Because they said no one went to go see this film. But I know that there's over 700 members here. And if I won, that means the majority of the 700 had to have voted. So that means 352, right? I will show up next year if you promise to watch the movie, and I mean really watch it, and really consider if it was really and truly the worst performance. And if you're... If you're willing to watch it and then I will come back next year, I will give back the Razzie. And I will do that in person. I mean, that's, that's funny. Taking it, uh, taking herself not too seriously. And she seems kind of like that type. Whereas John Travolta would not show up for a Raspberry for his... The wickedly talented Adele Dazeem. So let's see who won the, the Razzies this year. Worst picture, movie 43. Now, I didn't even really hear about this. But I just Googled it, and it was one of those uh, kind of sketch comedy movies like uh, Amazon Women on the Moon or the Kentucky Fried Movie, those movies like from the 70s where they have a bunch of different people getting together, and each one of them would, would do some kind of a comedy piece, and they put it all together, kind of like a, a big motion picture movie uh, version of Saturday Night Live. And this year, uh, Movie 43, featuring a lot of big stars, Kristen Bell, Halle Berry, uh, Gerard Butler, Hugh Jackman, Johnny Knoxville, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, Emma Stone, Kate Winslet, Brett Ratner was involved, Bob Odenkirk, you know, some really big names here, Elizabeth Banks, but it's been called the Citizen Kane of Awful, uh, and also been called one of the worst movies of all time, so bad that George Clooney was was originally attached to it and declined to take part and demanded his name be taken off the credits in all ways, shape, or form. He did not want to be named the worst actor like Jaden Smith for After Earth. Jaden Smith just always looks confused. Will Smith's son. He always looks like he doesn't really know what's going on. Kind of a deer in the headlights. He's kind of being pushed into acting by his famous father. You will act. You will act. Adele Dazeem. And worst supporting actor was Will Smith for After Earth as well. Wow. Father's son. That's actually kind of cool. 
I remember I scored my first any, uh, my first goal in in organized hockey the same day that my dad scored his 150th NHL goal. So that was kind of a, a monumental day in the Irvin household. Well, monumental day in the Smith household is the day March 1st, 2014, when father and son won worst actor and worst supporting actor. And worst screen combo as well. The Smiths couldn't catch a break for After Earth. I actually saw that movie and I didn't think it was too bad. But I went with my son and he likes every movie that we go to. So, Worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel, The Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger taking a, a big bath this year. It was like a huge box office bomb. But I liked it. I liked Johnny Depp. I think the biggest problem with um, Lone Ranger was that they had the Lone Ranger was Armand Hammer. I mean, seriously? Armand Hammer? They call him Army Hammer? Kind of, first of all, Army is one of the worst names. And Armand Hammer. His parents must have hated him or not known that there's baking soda. A very famous baking soda brand in the States called what? Arm and Hammer. So I'm not going to really support a Lone Ranger with the name of Arm and Hammer. Although Johnny Depp was awesome as Tonto. He's worth the price of admission alone. Worst director, the 13 people who directed movie 43. Worst screenplay, the 19 screenwriters who wrote movie. I got to see movie 43. It's now become my favorite movie of all time just for the fact of the amount of crap that uh, the, the Razzies gave it. Uh, let's go through some other. Last year, uh, 2012, Worst Picture, The Twilight Saga. Twilight actually um, sweeped all the awards. Worst Picture, Worst Actress, Worst Supporting Actor, Director. But actually, Adam Sandler for That's My Boy won Worst Actor. It wasn't that bad. He just had a really annoying Boston accent in that. I actually kind of thought it was funny. 2011, Adam Sandler's still uh, Jack and Jill. Swept all 10 Razzie categories. I got to agree, that movie was a piece of hate. Worst uh, movie in 2010, Sex in the City 2. 1996, worst screenplay was Twister. Most flatulent teen-targeted movie, Jackass the Movie. So you can kind of see, oh, the Jonas Brothers won in 2009 uh, as a collective actor uh, effort for worst actor. 2008, Mike Myers for The Love Guru. The Love Guru was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And I was so excited because I loved... Mike Myers and all like the crazy characters that he plays and, and all that sort of thing. But Love Guru was re- really, really, really bad. So, the, so yeah, the Razzies. I'm, I'm sure you can go online and Google the Razzies and find them all out. They've been going on for a long time, uh, since 88. Cocktail, Indecent Proposal in 93, Showgirls in 95. That is a movie. That's one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, you got to see that. If you're an aficionado for bad movies, as I am, then put Showgirls and The Love Guru on your list. And then let's all go check out Movie 43 and then get back to me. You can hit me up on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho and let me know what you thought of this year's 2014 Razzie Award winner for the worst movie, Movie 43. Adele Dazeem. All right, let's talk about this amazing uh, new sponsor that's joined up with me uh, before we get to Maria Menounos, who's got her new reality show, Chasing Maria Menounos, which starts March 18th on Oxygen. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos, amigas. 
See, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. On the line right now, my pal, my friend, and media mogul, huge media mogul, Maria Menounos is here. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I am doing great, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. It's been uh, it's been a while. I've been trying to uh, hook up with you and connect with you, and finally, it gets it gets a chance to work out. And I know you've been super busy, so thanks for taking the time today. Oh my god, of course. I'm so excited to be on the show. You're doing so much stuff, and the big thing that we're going to talk about right off the bat is your new reality show on the Oxygen Network, premiering Tuesday, March 18th. It's called Chasing Maria Menounos. After all this time and all the stuff that you've done, what made you decide to finally do a reality show? You know, it's funny. We've been asked a bunch of different times, and I was really terrified of it, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Not because there's anything to hide or anything like that, but just the normal fears I think that people have, which, you know, are completely justified, you know, once you kind of let people in, that's it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right. Um, so I was scared, and um, we eventually decided to do it because I've always loved sharing my family. Mm-hmm. I have brought my parents to red carpets, brought them on talk shows. I try to you know, get them in on anything I can because the experience is so much more fun when you're sharing with people, but also when you're sharing it with your family. And my parents are immigrants from Greece. (laughs) They grew up in villages with no running water. My dad tells me the stories about how he had no shoes (laughs) and we walked 20 miles just to go to high school. Uphill both ways. Right. And those were, and those are legit stories. So, um, that really happened. And so I always kind of said it was like my secret goal, not only to make it so I could take care of them, but then it got to that point when I succeeded and was like, you know what? Now it's my goal to make these village people famous. <laughs> 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 I think that's cool. I think that, you know, I really lived the American dream and, and you know, it's it's amazing what we've been able to accomplish. But you know what? I really want my dad to be like the most famous Greek ever. <laughs> ever. Well, did you grow up in Greece or were you born in the States? I was born in the States. My parents were both born there. 
Okay. So h- how was it when you first, like, where did you, where, where did you grow up? I grew up in um, Medford, Massachusetts, just a few miles north of Boston. Okay. So uh, if, if, you're, if your parents were kind of probably, you know, old school Greek immigrants, like you said, there's probably a certain way of doing things in the old country, etc. What did they think when you first told them that you were going to move to Los Angeles to get into show business? Did they understand what you were talking about? Did they get it? Did they support it? Well, they were terrified. Right. Um, my dad would, it was funny, I used to wear ponytails all the time, and my dad would hold my ponytail, and I'm like, Dad, someday I'm going to move to L.A., and he would shake the ponytail and say no, and I'm like, yes, I am, and he'd be like, no, you're not, <laughs> and so, you know, they were really scared of the business. They thought it was like just, you know, all the bad stereotypes that you would imagine. Sure. I kept saying to them, I'm like, you have to trust that you raised me right and raised me well, and it was really hard, Um them. I mean, I did things in, you know, high school and growing up, like fashion shows and little modeling things and stuff like that, pageants. Um, so, you know, we kind of eased into it, but uh, but it was tough. Well, I mean, so what was the first thing that you that you did when you, I assume that you just like, kind of picked up everything and moved to Los Angeles. Is that correct? It's kind of what usually yeah, everybody well, does. I actually, I met my boyfriend, Kevin, who you know. Right working on his feature film he was directing. In Boston. And in Boston. Right. He had come back to Boston, and my cousin Anthony was like, you should meet this guy, Kevin. He's my buddy. We went to high school together. He made it in Hollywood, and he's back here to make his movies. So I remember quitting my job doing makeup at the Chanel counter <laughs> and jumping on board of this film as a PA and started working on that. And at some point, I think it was the summer afterwards, I, you know, had taken this film and kind of, you know, adopted it as my baby and was producing it at that point. And um, one of the producers from the film went back to L.A. and had a PA job at Channel One News. And he called us one day and said, hey, there's this job, and I think you're perfect for it. It's, you know, hosting and reporting the news, but for teenagers, like a oh, CNN for kids. Right. And so Kevin helped me put together a little demo tape of my work at Emerson College, and we got the job and moved to L.A. for to be an anchor on Channel 1 News, which launched the careers of Anderson Cooper and Lisa Ling. So I was now Good company over for Lisa Ling when she was getting her job at The View. Well, that's I mean, that's what we're saying. I mean, what a what an amazing group of people to be with. And then it just expanded to doing all the different things that you've done, mm-hmm. which which leads you to, to chasing Maria Menounos. So what exactly is, is the show about? Is it just a day to day documentation of your life and all the stuff that you do? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you, you know, it's basically you get to see a lot of different dynamics. It's my life. Um, you're getting to see, you know, my kind of you know, life and journey in this town and what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents live with Kevin and I nine months out of the year, sometimes more. Um, and so that's always an interesting <laughs> topic. You're like, your parents live with you? Well, yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't team. they? You're Greek. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, Kevin and I have been together for 15 years, actually going on 16, and we're not married and we don't have kids. Mm-hmm. And so my dad is very, very unhappy with that fact. So he's definitely pressuring for all of those very traditional things to happen, and we're kind of untraditional. Um, and so there's, you know, a little bit of everything in this. It's very it's comedic because we have definitely some very colorful, funny people led by my dad, who <laughs> is going to be 
the biggest star ever. Because the most famous so Greek in America. <laughs> yeah, he's lovable. He's funny. He has you crying within like a minute of the show because he's just so charming and just special. And you know, and then you have really intense moments. You know, there's mm-hmm. what we wanted to do with this show is we wanted it to be real, and being real is painful. And so right. they definitely got a lot of dramatic stuff that was going on, and it was really hard later to deal with. When you're shooting it, it's like one thing, but when you have to watch it back, it's even harder. And I kept saying throughout the process, I'm like, for better or worse, I would prefer to do this and have it be authentic because I can't be any other way. Mm -hmm. It's against my DNA, and I'd rather fail being us than you know, going against what we feel sure. is right. Well, so there's also, definitely a process. There's nothing, I mean, more tedious and just plain bad about a fake reality show, you know, the old scripted reality show. So the realer that it is, the better that it is. How was that for you at first, uh, having kind of almost every moment of your day filmed? When was the point where you just kind of didn't even notice the cameras anymore? And at first was a little bit hard to, to try and act normal when you got these, you know, lenses in your face? I feel like for me, that was a little easier because I'm used to it. I mean, it was hard. Like, I I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I ever didn't notice that they were there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, they were there from May till November almost every single day, if not every day for a long time. So it was definitely arduous. It was a lot, a lot going on. A lot of people, a lot happening, and I also have a full-time job, and then I have all these other projects that we're working on. So right. I remember having moments where I'm like, I'm going to explode. This <laughs> is just too much, <laughs> and I definitely overdid it this time. Was there times when you were, when you did something or, or even when you watched it back afterwards where you just looked bad and you're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that on camera? Um, I'm or- sure there were. I, I, it's hard for me to remember right now. I feel like... I definitely had those moments where I'm like, are people going to think I'm not nice? Or like, <laughs> you know, like that's the first thing you think of is sure. like, are people still going to like me? And I had to have those like heart to heart conversations with some of my friends. And I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, I know who loves me and who likes me. And I'm a pretty likable person, I think. So why wouldn't the audience right. like me that's watching this? Because you're always like, God, you know. What, are, what is everyone going to think when they see this? And a lot of times I had to kind of take myself out of it and say, you know what, the things you're fighting about right now are things that everybody else is fighting about or yes. upset about. So this is all relatable, and you're going to have haters no matter what. You're going to have people who are going to be like, oh, look at her crying about this. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Give me a break. Her. Yeah. So I have to kind of come to terms with you're going to have that no matter what. You can't make everybody happy. And the people that are going to like you are going to like you. The people that aren't, aren't. And so I've been trying to teach that to my family, too. I'm like, we really need to get some thick skin fast. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, you're going to have to you have to deal with the critics. And that, that's hard a lot of times for people uh, when they're not kind of in – I mean, you're in the business. I'm in the business. And you kind of know sometimes you're going to take it to the chin. But when somebody comes in off the street and they don't understand that, it might be a little bit hard to say, Dad, it's okay. You know, Some people are going to bury you on Twitter no matter what you do. Yeah, it's hard because we no one's impervious to this. Like yes. It's, it's really hard when people criticize you and say nasty things about you. You know, my boyfriend was looking at something and he's like, 
oh, my God, look at what they're saying about me. And I'm like, honey, people say I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm overrated. <laughs> I'm like, they say all these things. I'm like, do you believe any of that? He's like, no. I go, okay, then, why are you listening to right. On the on the flip side. But we all have to be there to help each other in those moments because it's easy to get lost in it all. Was it hard for Kevin to be in front of the camera after yes. so many years of being behind and kind of being your uh, your backbone from, from behind the scenes? Yeah, it really was. And, it, and he tried every which way to get out of it, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no telling my life without telling him. Like, when I wrote... Um, my first book, it was like, oh, God, well, how am I going to talk about dating and not talk about Kevin? Because up until then, I never really spoke about my relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, honey, your big coming out party. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Let's see what yeah. you got, kid. So, I mean, we were talking kind of about, about you know, the reality side of things and how sometimes you look bad. And I know, I mean, at least for this show, you're kind of probably got the final say in calling the shots. I know for me, when I did Dancing with the Stars, there were a couple times when I said, especially the, the, the week before I uh, got you know, kicked off the show, I think we had like a 30-hour rehearsal time period, and maybe there was one five-minute period where I was like, I just can't do this. I hate this. And of course, that's the part that they showed mm-hmm. on the air, you know, that, that side of it. But just kind of moving the topic to Dancing with the Stars, how did you enjoy doing Dancing with the Stars? I know for me, in uh, retrospect, I loved it. It was the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. Isn't that funny? I mean, before I did it, uh, a lot of people told me that had done the show, this is going to be the greatest thing you, you'd ever done in your life. And I didn't, I didn't buy it at first, but they were right. I mean, why do you say that? Well, first of all, I, I wish I had talked to some of those people. It might have calmed <laughs> my nerves a bit, but I, I was terrified to do it, um, not being a dancer or having a second of any kind of training behind me. Yeah. And... Um, and that's why I ended up deciding to do it because I was scared of it. And I love facing my fears mm-hmm. and I love challenging myself. I mean, obviously you've seen me get in a ring, so <laughs> that's like, yeah. that was scary in itself. But why I say it was so amazing is because when you do something like that, you're really putting yourself out there mm-hmm. and to see where you can take yourself, like, you know, to become a dancer, <laughs> yes. which is what I did and what you did, and to have that kind of opportunity at our, you know, time in our lives, like those are that's what little kids get to do. We don't get to start learning things now necessarily, unless we're really, really yeah. amazing people. We're like, I mean, I want to learn how to play the piano. Am I ever going to fit that into my schedule? No. Right. I've always wanted to learn how to dance. Was I ever going to fit that into my schedule? No. This gave me an opportunity to learn how to dance, to throw myself into something artistic, which I just crave and love, yes. but I never get enough of. I've always wanted to perform. I've always wanted to, to do that. And so I did it. And that's why people ask me, like, you're crazy. Why did you risk, you know, all those injuries you had? Why did you risk it? I'm like, because it was worth it. it I right. learned so much about myself. Um, and it was just the most incredible experience of my life. I think like you said too, I mean the fact that I mean I remember when I showed up it was Kirstie Alley and Sugar Ray Leonard and Ralph Macchio and you know all these people like this and we're all have achieved things in our certain areas or whatever but to come in there all completely at the same level and all trying something new I mean that's the genius and the beauty of the show is you're getting you know multiple time Grammy Emmy nominees world champions whatever it is 
and then they're out there doing something they've never done before. And I thought that was the best part of it was the challenge. Like you said, learning a new art form and really taking a chance at doing something different. Because it's easy to kind of get complacent within your world, especially when you're good within that world. And this was a chance to really go out there. And, and you know, the first dance I ever did was in front of 25 million people on the first week in Dancing with the Stars. That's the first time I'd ever danced in my life besides the train, training right? beforehand. So, yeah, just to go out there. And, and like you said, live without a net, just taking a chance. It was very exhilarating. Vulnerable, and I hate being vulnerable, but I love being vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it's it's just amazing. And for me, I felt like such an underdog. No one was looking at me mm-hmm. as any kind of competition. And then slowly, through these incredible injuries, I was like, I kept thinking of Rocky, and I would listen to Rocky, and I was like, I am the female Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just kept pushing myself, and I ended up in the semifinals. I mean. I would have never expected that. My friends were like, none of us ever thought you would even make it past, like, the third week. Yeah. Anyone who really knows me, because most people are like, oh, of course you were going to make it. I'm like, now you say that. But you, A, didn't know me. Yeah. (laughs) And B, you have the privilege of knowing the outcome now. But no one thought I was going to be. Well, yeah. I think that they kind of have both the fans and even the producers kind of have a little... Uh, list in mind of who they think is going to go the farthest, just from the, the early days of, of the show and just kind of the early weeks. But then once the, the red light goes on and it's a live performance uh, element, I think there was quite a few people. I know I was one of them. I think I went a lot farther than they expected I was going to coming in because, like you said, some people take to it, some people don't. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and it's like it's all just also what you're willing to put in because yes. for me, I wasn't naturally good at it. Like, And I have the greatest teacher. Derek, I mean, Mm -hmm. everything I did, I owe to him. I just know what I owe to myself is my work ethic and my will. Yeah. But I was not good, Chris. Like I had to work (laughs) double the amount of hours of everybody else because I'm also working a full-time job. By the time I got to him, I was exhausted. Wow. And I couldn't see straight. (laughs) So So you were still working all day on extra and then showing up for rehearsal like at six o'clock at at night? night. Oh, wow. And we were doing six hours at yeah, least. You have to. And then and it was just there was just no rest and now I had all these injuries, so I'd have to go home. I'd have to get the Epsom salt bath going. I'd have to do um all my wrapping and unwrapping and um hot tubs and all the things to kinda of get better and heal myself and then I would practice in the mirror the things that mm-hmm. I just couldn't get so I could try to break it for the next day. And so I would do all this homework. So I was running on three hours of sleep a night. Wow. And what kind of injuries did you have? You've mentioned that a few times. What, what, what kind of things I had happened? Two broken ribs, and I wow. had three stress, uh, uh, seven stress fractures total in my feet. So my feet, when we went and actually got um, MRIs done, the doctor, the cameras were there too. The doctor was like, "Your feet are literally shattering before your eyes," and you, he had been trying to get me out of the competition for weeks. Wow. Like, you don't understand. They're only getting worse. They're shattering. And I said, Just from the constant pounding against the dance floor? Yeah, it was... It was. Um, I don't know how it all kind of started, but once it did... I mean, I was wearing heels the whole time. Yeah. I was wearing heels all day at work, so mm-hmm. I think that that was kind of tough, and I must have done something that, like, shook my foot up good to kind of make it so weak because I have really strong bones. I was like, maybe I have bad bones. I got tested. I have really strong bones. <laughs> Drink actually. more milk. You're right. But, um, you know, it was kind of unfortunate, but, you know, I, I battled through it and was just like, man, if I can do this, I can do anything. 
Well, yeah, it gives you a whole new perspective on, on everything, like you said. And and you mentioned, too, as far as you were still working you know, at Extra. You've been doing Extra for a long time. You've kind of become the face of the show. How fun is that to do every day? And have you gotten a chance to interview some really, really uh, special people that you never thought you'd get a chance to be in contact with? Yeah, you know, we, we filmed the show um, from Universal, which is great. On a, any mm-hmm. given day, if it's beautiful and we're bored, we can go ride a roller coaster, which is fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not many people can say that when they go to work. When they go to work, right? Um, so it, it's great. Like, we have a great group here. And, yeah, I mean, we have – the cool thing about our show is because we shoot it outside at Universal, there's an energy that, that kind of mimics the whole Today Show feel. So when we had Hugh Jackman down here – um, the crowds are just insane, and they're so excited to see him. And then he's getting an energy off of them. And we had Celine Dion here, and I started singing with her. She was like singing <laughs> and singing and singing throughout the interview. And then finally I'm like, hmm, I'm going to jump in because this could be the only moment I ever sing with yeah. Celine Dion. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so cool to be able to do that, though, right? Yeah, it was so much fun. So, yeah, we're having a good time. I've been here, I think it'll be three years in August. Who's your favorite interview you've ever done? Or a few oh my of them. Gosh, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, That's you, tough. I've had some good ones. Did you interview uh, the, the president? You've interviewed Oprah. You've interviewed all across the board. Yeah, I have interviewed pretty much everyone at this point. I don't think there's anyone I haven't. Who was the most challenging interview that you had? No. <laughs> You're so good that all of them are fun. Well, I try. <laughs> is there anybody that ever that shows up you know what, that I just do my doesn't homework? So I think that that's what makes it not tough. Like even if someone's like kind of, um, you know, if you get the word before, like, oh, this person's tough. Yeah. And I'm like, are they, or are they just getting shitty interviews? Right. Yeah. The same questions over and over again. Right. But not even just that. Like people who just aren't going to listen. Like I'll never forget. I, I went to the set of um, Charlie Sheen's mm-hmm. um, show, Two and a Half Men, years okay. ago. You know you're the only journalist that's ever interviewed me that actually listens and i'm like oh thank you so for <laughs> me it's like i i really do try to do my homework i'm a nerd like that uh-huh. i find that kind of common ground you know nugget of info like when i interviewed sandra bullock i was like i did my research on her and i saw that she adopted handicapped dogs and i had a handicapped dog too oh. so i brought my dog to the interview smart and she was just beside herself over Noel. So little things like that. Yeah, it's stuff that makes ingratiates yourself with uh, with your subject, you know. And like you said, yeah. not sticking. I think a lot of times, too, interviewers have a certain um, list of questions that they want to stick to. But sometimes the interview gets organic and lives and breathes on its own, where you can take the questions and throw them away and just go with what's going on in the now, in the moment. Yeah, you just got to roll with it. All right, so I'm like 10 and 0 when it comes to snagging the last delicious Factor meal in my house before the new weekly delivery arrives. We all love Factor's ready-to-eat meals here in the Jericho household. They're fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted and dietitian approved and best of all, they're ready to eat in just two minutes. Eating better has never been easier or more delicious. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. So before I jumped on the plane to get the dynamite this week to Russell Atlantis Jr., I had grilled steakhouse filet mignon with Parmesan cream, spinach, and broccolini. Two minutes to heat it up, ate it right out of the factory container, and then tossed it in the garbage. Fast, easy, and delicious. No prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. You can fuel up with Factor's restaurant-quality meals, too. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. 
You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime, and Factor is less expensive than takeout. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash TIJ50 and use code TIJ50 to get 50% off. That's code TIJ50 at factormeals.com slash TIJ50 to get 50% off. Talk is Jericho. Welcome back to Talk is Jericho. We have Maria Menounos on the line. It's almost a tongue twister. I always find myself saying Maria, 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 Maria Manunos. I get stuck sometimes. <laughs> now, we met uh, many times within the confines of the WWE arenas and the, the different shows and the different um, times you've appeared. I know you said you came from Boston. How did you get so involved with, with wrestling? And I'm assuming probably the old school WWF before it was WWE. Is that correct? Well, no, I was only involved um, since it's been the WWE, but I was a fan. Well, I mean, as, as a fan, yeah, as a fan. Yeah, no, my dad and I used to watch it growing up. We were obsessed. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I just loved it. I loved it so much. And I remember when I first met Kevin, um, he told me that he was friends with Shane McMahon at the time. And I'm like, I want to go wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> and mind you, when I met Kevin, I was 40 pounds heavier, so I really could have been <laughs> wow. a lot, a lot, a bruiser. Than, uh, <laughs> yeah, now than I am now because I was, I was really strong. And so there was a split second I remember where Kevin was maybe going to go right for the WWE, and I oh, was really? going to go wrestle. <laughs> and then I ended up getting my job at Channel One, and my life took a different turn. But that was just something that I was just so so into. I just I loved, you know, the fact that you were performing, you were doing something active. There's just so many sides to wrestling that I I also don't think you guys get enough credit for. Well, it really is almost show business boot camp in that there's also a little bit of everything. I mean, there's something for everyone, like you said. I mean, there's drama, there's action, there's comedy, there's half-naked girls, half-naked guys, you know, everything going on, the lights and the explosions. But also, too, as a performer, like you said, you have to know how to do improv and how to deliver a line and how to do something backstage and in front of a crowd and et cetera, et cetera. So I think you're definitely right about that. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I always tell people... You know, your performers, you have to captivate an audience of 30,000 people, improv, throw yourselves off of top ropes. I mean, take the beatings 360 days a year, no breaks, traveling on the road from city to city, <laughs> in rental cars, and yeah. it's <laughs> brutal, it's hard, and it's just, you know, I'd like to see you know, Tom Cruise go in and try to do it. Like, it's not easy. Well, it's funny. You know, I, I did uh, a thing a couple of years ago with Mickey Rourke when he did The Wrestler, and then he was actually going to wrestle against me um, at WrestleMania, and then he kind of got pulled and, you know, things went, went, you know, awry. But he did end up showing up for the match that we ended up having and coming in the ring at the end. We did a little thing where he punched me in the face and knocked me out. And we usually rehearse it for... Two or three times, you go through it once or twice and you leave. But he wanted to do it probably 15 or 20 times from all the different camera angles and this way and that way. Because uh, that's how they, you, you film a movie, is you go through the rehearsal and each shot is meticulous. Whereas wrestling, it's a lot more, like you mentioned earlier, going with the flow and just really just feeling it. Well, yeah, and I know that from when I did it, too. It's like, right. It's wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Brrr. Bye. And I'm like, wait, yeah, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on. <laughs> I'm scared. What if, what if I don't do it right? And it's just so much. There's so much involved. Yes. That you just and, and it all goes so fast because you guys 
are just part of this machine, and there's just so much that has to get done. Yeah, I always, be- I always say it's kind of like a live stunt show in that, you know, you're performing this routine, but it's live, and you get one chance at it, and there's no second take. Yeah, you know? totally. So, who were your favorites when you were growing up? We didn't talk about that when you were a kid. Oh, my God. I loved so many. I mean, obviously, I loved Hogan and Macho Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to be Miss Elizabeth growing up. Oh, yes. <laughs> Still to this day, the, the prettiest diva, if you want to call her that. Every, every kid's uh, dream, boy yeah. and girl. Oh, my God. Totally wanted to be her. <laughs> um, oh, my God. I mean, I loved... Um, Everyone from Hacksaw Jim Duggan to Ravishing Rick Rude, Jake the Snake, The Ultimate Warrior. I mean, so that was, was, yeah, that was the time that I was pretty much a big fan, kind of that late 80s uh, period. Yeah, obsessed. And then obviously, even Bob Backlund, who's a good friend of mine, my dad was such a big fan of Bob's. And I remember watching old matches of his. And it was, it was, did you go, did you go to the shows live? Did you go to the Boston Gardens to see? I wish. We we couldn't afford that. Oh, okay. But, um, but we watched on TV religiously, and my mom would yell at us because she didn't like wrestling. And so my dad and I, it was our thing. And then I remember a couple years ago, I kept telling my publicist, when I heard that you guys were doing Monday Night Raw Celebrity Host, yes. I said, you got to get me in there. I want to do this. And so um, one day we were having a meeting, and we sat down. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I go, what? He goes, WWE called. He goes, I didn't even have a chance to call them yet. He goes, they called, and they want you to host Monday Night Raw. And I flipped the table, went bananas in this little Greek restaurant on Larchmont, and was going crazy, like yeah. like I had hit the lottery. <laughs> right. Out of all and the things you'd done, that one was the one that was really making you flip out. <laughs> yeah, and then, he, and then I go, okay, now... I go, tell them yes on one condition. He goes, what? I go, I want to wrestle. Wow. (laughs) And so he was like, okay, I will call him. And he's known me for so long that he knows I'm not messing around. Right. So he kept calling, and no one would really, like, they didn't bite. They didn't get it. They didn't really believe me, whatever Mm -hmm. it was. I'm like, I need a trainer. Like, help me find someone. So finally we found a trainer on our own in L.A. Who did you go to? um, His name is Rick Drazen. Okay. And so I just went to his outdoor ring in the backyard of his property and we just trained and trained and trained and I was going to do um, uh, my first match was for I think it was the troops come home I think yeah I think uh, I think it was a six a six diva tag team match I believe it was wasn't it yeah I think it was a tr- no the troops was my second one yeah the first one I think was on raw was when you were the guest host yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was always in Indianapolis yeah mm-hmm and then, uh, so, so had, were you training before you were told that you're going to be wrestling? Just... Oh, I still didn't think they really believed me because mm-hmm. up until then, you know, I think they thought like, oh, yeah, you can come in and slap someone or something. And yes. I'm like, no, you don't understand. So when I went in that weekend, I went right to a rehearsal and I said, I want to show you everything I've learned. Like, I know how to do a sunset flip. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. Like, I started showing them all my moves. And they're like, you're not kidding. Like, you mm-hmm. actually worked at this. So then they took me seriously, and we, we figured out what we were going to do. Um, and, the, you know, the skits were just as fun as the match. So that was fun. How was it for you when you were training and you took your first bump? It was awful. It was so scary. <laughs> I have video of every second of it. I was terrified. 
I literally thought I was going to snap my neck every time. Mm -hmm. And whenever I've gone to train for another match since, it's like starting all over again. And I'm like, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. (laughs) And then I take the bump. And taking a back bump, I still can't do yet. Uh It's so so freaking hard. I just, I, I have not been able to master it yet. I'll get it once out of like 50 bumps. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, too. I mean, it, it's interesting, and that's why I, I have respect for you, is, like, a lot of people come in and go, oh, sure, I'll, I'll, like you said, I'll wrestle. How hard can it be? But you actually put in the time and the training to realize that, much like learning how to dance, it's learning an art form, and it is pretty freaking hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to take a back bump, it's something that you basically have to do every day for months and months and months and months before, it, you know, before the pain and the shock and the fear goes away. So the fact that you were doing a match and then have to go and then have to come back and do another one, yeah, it's not easy to just jump right back in again. Yeah, but I love it, and I have such a respect for you guys and the divas that, for me, it's like I was never going to walk into your home and not have done the work. Right. And and I don't want to do, you know, just the, like, uh, little slap thing. Like, I really want to do it. And when I do something, I do it 100%. So it's been amazing. And then getting to wrestle at WrestleMania, that was well, during that's... with the stars. Oh, wow. And Eric extra? And I, we flew from L.A. to Miami, got off the plane. So we rehearsed, got on a plane, slept on the plane, landed, rehearsed for Dancing with the Stars, then went right to the ring to start figuring out what we were doing there, wrestled the WrestleMania with two broken ribs and fractured feet, mind you. Jeez. And then got on a plane back to L.A., got off the plane, went right into hair <laughs> makeup for Dancing with the Stars. Wow. See, now that that's a true pro wrestling schedule right there. Yeah. You, you know, and here, here's, here's something to make you feel even better. I got asked to do Dancing with the Stars two times before I finally accepted on the third time. And the first time, the reason why I didn't do it was because it was right on WrestleMania time. And I said, I can't commit to training for dancing when it's WrestleMania time. WrestleMania is crazy. You can't do both. And like, no, you can do both. And I'm like, no, you can't do both. And now here you are telling me that you did both. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing you at WrestleMania with The Rock backstage, and you were like, I can't believe you're doing both. I know. I was so so impressed. I was like, aw. And then when I heard that she had broken ribs, too, it was just insane. Now, uh, How was that for you, though? I mean, obviously, WrestleMania is the crown jewel of sports entertainment. It's the Super Bowl of the WWE. And there are hundreds, if not possibly thousands, of wrestlers that have never had the chance to wrestle at WrestleMania. And you are one of the, the few chosen people that got to have a match. And especially as a female, there's maybe one a year. So how was that for you? It was unbelievable. Like... I have a picture of me, like, on the top rope, like, hands in the air, almost, like, snooking a little. <laughs> and and you just see all the lights, and you see all the people. When I went out there, it was 70,000 fans screaming. That's right. It was the most electrifying moment ever. Like, I I can't even tell you how terrified I was. Yeah. Um, slash excited, slash knowing this is a huge moment, and how honored I was that I was able to be in there, knowing you know, knowing the kids that I was training with in that backyard would cut their right arm yeah. to be there, literally, which would take a saw to it just to be able to do what I was doing. So I was, I felt like I was representing all of them well, yeah, when I was I, out there. And I remember when we finished the match, we all were backstage, like, crying. Like, just, it was really emotional. It was really special because I'm putting my life in their hands i was broken i was severely Mm -hmm. injured and we didn't you know adjust anything 
because of it. We really just were like, okay, we're going to do this. And I'm like, I could impale myself. Um, <laughs> my rib could puncture my lung, but... <laughs> but you, but once again, you got a, a sense of, of the trust factor that's involved between the real professionals in the WWE and in the business. You know, you can put your, your body and your life in, you know, because that happens. Sometimes you get a broken rib and you still got to do the match or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And they took care. I wrestled with a broken arm once and the guys I worked with took care of me, whereas, you know, it could have just as easily gone very, very wrong. So that, that's cool that you got to experience that aspect of the business as well. Uh. My God, and I don't know how much I can say. So, like, I, you know, I'm trying to be as like. It's okay. It's an open show. We can talk. Really? Yeah, we can talk. You can tell this like secret. Yeah, it's it's not it's not secrets. It's kind of like, you know, I think people kind of know how we do things, but the real magic comes within the ring. You know, talking yeah. about the preparation for it and all that stuff. We kind of do that quite all all the time. I mean, when Beth and I were backstage, we were bawling. Like she is afterwards, such an incredible, yeah, incredible woman. My eyes are rolling up right now just thinking about it. Is that crazy? No, it was a good experience that you had. Now, yeah. now why were you bawling, though? Just because it, cause you guys had a kick-ass match from what I remember. It was a really good match. I'm not just saying that. It's just like, again, like I, was, I went into it so afraid because I was so hurting. Mm-hmm. But I just knew who was, who was opposite me. I knew that I had the best, you know, in, in Eve yes. and in Beth. And I was just like, I trust you guys. And it was just like... You know, to get through it and to execute it the way you want is, you know... It's a great feeling. It is. It is. Like, I'm crying right now. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's nothing worse than having a bad match and nothing more exhilarating than having a good match. It's better than, than drinking or taking a drug or anything else you could do is having that, that match. It's like having a great dance. Any performance that you have in front of a live audience where every single point is hit and it's crisp and it's working, that's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, and I've seen that now being back there at other matches. Like you see when, you know, the big matches like The Undertaker and Triple mm-hmm. H, like when everyone comes back and it's just like it's such a family and everyone's just so emotional and, you know, it's like you're going to war together in a yeah. weird way, a different kind of war. No, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, and, and, and like I said, you got the respect from everybody because you are a, a major fan and, and people know that. Whereas a lot of times, especially when we were doing those celebrity uh, guest hosting things, you could tell which guys were showing up just because they're, they're publicists told them to be there because they had a movie to promote or whatever and you could tell the the people like yourself and Hugh Jackman and Seth Green and Mike Tyson and Ozzy and Bob Barker that were actual real fans of the show and it made it so much better and you get the respect it's very reciprocal when when that when you can tell that yeah you know I, I felt that way for you actually I was I was actually laughing in a good way because you had the honor of inducting Bob Backlund into the Mm -hmm. WWE Hall of Fame this year at Madison Square Garden and I love the reaction of people just booing you, and you just took it in stride, knowing that this is just wrestling fans. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm like I'm just going to keep on going. Yeah, I mean, we, we were talking about earlier, kind of like what what you know your dad might feel if someone says something bad about him on Twitter. How did you feel when when people started being idiots, by the way, and started booing you for no reason? I know, you know, I I could feel the room at that point. I just gone on a little too long, like the speech. I just wanted everyone to know all of the special things about Bob that I knew that right. he's never going to tell anybody, and unless someone writes a book about him someday, no mm-hmm. one will ever know. And so the fact that he's never paid taxes in his life, like I just wanted everyone to know everything, <laughs> and so it probably just went on a little too long, so to be fair, I get that, but that's where it came from. I just mm-hmm. I wanted him to have the best 
you know, induction ever. And did he you know, I was so honored that he asked me and wow. knew that I was there for a reason and that I belong there. So I wasn't going to let anyone tell me otherwise. Right. But, and so I was just like, I'm going to power through and. No, it was awesome. I, I loved it because just so you know, and I'm sure everyone told you this, Madison Square Garden fans can be brutal. And yeah. they were just basically amusing themselves because I actually enjoyed your speech. And I thought you did a great job. And I was actually just surprised that, that you were such good friends with Bob to, to be asked by him to do that. It seemed like such a random uh, connection, Bob Backlund and Maria Menounos. Isn't that hilarious? I, I have such incredible memories of him at my pageant back in, <laughs> God, 99. Would he just show up or what was he doing he, there? I asked him if he would come because he was in Kevin's first movie that I was a PA on. Oh, okay. And that's where I met him. And um, from there, we stayed friends, and we helped him when he was running um, for Congress. And I remember when I was running, uh, competing in the pageant, I asked him if he would come, and he's like, oh, I'll be there with bells on. <laughs> and so he was. He was in the back row of this, you know, convention center room. I was on stage. I couldn't see a thing. You know when you're on stage and the lights just yes. blow everything out? Shining in your face. All I could see was Mr. Backlund with his perfect posture and his bow tie sitting upright in the back <laughs> of the room. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's here. He came. <laughs> you know, so. I was in uh, Japan with him back in 94 for a couple tours. And it was probably 110 degrees in, in some of the smaller towns. It's very, very hot and humid. And he came on the bus one day with his three-piece suit on and his bow tie was unbuttoned. And he apologized to the boss, this guy called Tenru. He's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Tenru, that my bow tie is not up to usual standards today. I've unbuttoned it because it's very hot outside. <laughs> and Tenru's sitting there with like a muscle shirt and, and like shorts and we're all just like dying. It's like, whatever, Bob, just sit down, man. He's so eccentric. It's hilarious. I died. Now, how funny was he at that induction? <laughs> and by the way, before the, the event even started, he was doing the step test up and down the stairs yes. at the... He's, he's crazy. I literally no. live for him because he's I, just so dynamic. And when we were backstage, he was going on and on and on. Vince was dying. And I'm like, he's gold. Put him back on the show. Oh, Vince wanted him to keep talking? See, now you can tell me some backstage stuff here. So Vince was wanting him to keep keep rolling? No, Vince was horrified. <laughs> <laughs> His eyes were like, oh, my God, what is happening right now? And I'm like, this is gold. <laughs> Just so I can explain, at the at the Hall of Fame last year, when Backlund finally came out for his speech, he just kept rolling and rolling. It was one of the most insane diatribes I've ever heard in my life. It was so hilarious. Like like Maria says, it was gold. But Vince actually walked out on stage and gave him the hook, not once, but twice. <laughs> so backstage, Vince was freaking out. He wanted him off the stage. Oh, my God, yeah. And I was ushering back his, his comeback because I've been championing Bob for years with Vince right. and the WWE. So when he made it back, I was so happy. And then after that, I'm like, do you understand? The fans loved him. He ran out into the audience. He did. High-fiving everybody. He has an energy that's just unmatched. Like, you can't find anybody like him. Yes. And so I think he belongs there. I, I think he's just so incredible and so freaking funny. He was like, I grew up in a lob cabin with no <laughs> running water and that's the way i liked it because i love the oh wait oh wait i wrote um i created a whole inspirational wall in my house and i have one of his quotes from that induction what is it on there because i loved when he was like and i'm gonna enjoy myself um but my favorite quote is you can't lose unless you quit oh yeah and you know what he's right no absolutely <laughs>
He is totally right. And like I said, it, it was very, very amazing and cool to see you up there. And, and once again, not only is your show getting ready to premiere Tuesday, March 18th, Chasing Maria Menounos on the Oxygen Network, but you also have your own podcast, basically network within the network here on podcastone.com. You've created the whole AfterBuzz network as well. Is that is that correct? Is that all you're yeah. kind of doing? Yeah, me and Kevin created it. It's <laughs> called AfterBuzz TV. It's the only broadcast network online. Um, and it's devoted to after shows for television. So if you're a fan of whether it's Monday Night Raw, um, House of Cards, Dancing with the Stars, we do the after show for it. So we have usually four hosts that get in the studio and break down the episode. We get stars from the shows to come in and be interviewed or guest host. We have the creators, producers, anyone that can give you kind of that really behind-the-scenes, sure. inside look. And it's been doing amazing. We get... 21 million downloads from all over the world a week. Man, that's huge. Did a huge write-up on us um, in January, so that was really exciting. How many? How many uh, different shows is there? Dif- uh, different after buzz. About 55 hours of programming a week at wow. this point. Yeah, so for every been... show, every basically everything, every show on TV has one. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Do you watch a lot of the shows? I watch a lot of shows. Yeah, I mean, I watch them in different clusters of time. Did so, you watch? You know, did you watch Breaking Bad? Is that because I know that's an AfterBuzz? Okay, that's why we started. After okay, Buzz. <laughs> we started AfterBuzz because we loved Breaking Bad and we wanted to talk about it. And so it was our version of a poker night. Kevin was like, "Let's do this podcast," and then it just grew from there. What did you so think? Because of Breaking Bad. What did you think of the finale? Oh, we watch it frequently. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love how Walter White uh, died selfishly and basically left everybody with nothing. He is Brian Cranston is amazing. Yes. Um I and I just I love that show. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it ended brilliantly. I'm very sad it's over, but I know. It's good it's good that it ended when it did though cuz some shows go too long. I thought like I thought Dexter the finale for that show bothered me. I've talked about it on this show at length. Yeah. I I I did not like the ending of that. It drove me crazy. Um, but I'm happy that Breaking Bad ended when it did because now it holds the status, in my eyes, as being the best TV show of all time. I agree, 100%. Perfect. Listen, we're in agreement about a lot of things. I want to thank you for doing the show today. I'm always very uh, very impressed by all the stuff you're doing. Much respect for all that you've done, both in the ring and outside the ring. And one more time, it's on Oxygen Tuesday, March 18th, Chasing Maria Menounos. I'm going to watch it. What's your dad's name? Costas. Costas Menounos, about to become the most famous Greek in all of America. <laughs> yes, on at 10 o'clock. And thank you. You're so amazing, by the way. This, you're like such a great interviewer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I, I enjoy it. And like I said, I like having people on that, that uh, I want to talk to, and you are at the top of my list. So thank you so much for doing this for me. Thank you. See you soon, Maria. Okay. Bye. Bye. You know who's living large at my house? My three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy, and Snickers. And you know why? Because we switched them to Pretty Litter. Okay, so it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large, thanks to Pretty Litter. Because Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, so no more bad cat smells in the bathroom. Pretty Litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us, and less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I gotta deal with this fight 
every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty Litter also ships right to our front door, so no more last-minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house, meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, it's time to go to the phones after I place the number on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho. You never know when you're going to get your chance to call in. Uh, so always make sure to check in to the Twitter feed and see if you are being called and being given the info to phone me. We got Eric from Minnesota here. What's going on, man? Hey, Chris. Uh, nice to talk to you. I wanted to ask you a question about Dave Miltzer. Yeah, sure. Dave, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Yes, yes. What about him? Yeah. I know a couple of shows ago on, uh, I think the first part with uh, RVD, you mentioned that uh, you get uh, Meltzer's uh, newsletters and all that. I was wondering, throughout your career, what's your thoughts on Dave Meltzer and other uh, dirt sheet writers? Well, I like Dave's sheet, uh, and I've known Dave and read his sheet since I first started in the business back in 1990. It was really kind of an underground thing that used to come on typeset colored paper. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Dave is, is – is, he's not so much a critic. I mean, he has his opinions, but I like reading his 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 newsletter for the information, business information, buy rates, and, and just kind of keeping an eye on what's going on around the world, keeping an eye on my, on my old friends and, you know, Mexico and Japan and all that sort of thing. Um, I don't really. I, I always kind of looked at it like if you were, um, you know, if I'm going to read a, a review of Fozzie record in Billboard magazine or, or Rolling Stone magazine or something like that, or if you're, you know, in the movies and you get Variety or, or Hollywood Reporter, this is kind of our version of that. And sometimes you're going to agree with it, and sometimes you're not going to agree with it. But it's more just a informational type of a of a thing. So I've been a big fan of, of Dave's and and read his writing, and I really enjoy. Unfortunately, when he writes the uh, obituaries of, of guys that pass away, I mean, it's very informative. And I've learned a lot about the history of the business from Dave and, and all of his write-ups from, you know, the, the, the late 1800s all the way up until today. So I think just as a wrestling fan, uh, I, I enjoy his his, uh, his knowledge. Okay, uh, any chance uh, you could possibly get Dave on the show sometime soon? Yeah, I probably would uh, think he'd be a great guest to have on. So that's a, that's a good idea, Eric. So I'll have to uh, I'll have to try and hook that up. See, giving okay. me ideas, Eric from Minnesota. You're on the ball, man. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you uh, listening to the show. Yeah, yeah, that's all I have. Thanks for taking my call, Chris. All right, man. Stay warm up in Minnesota. And we'll now, try. all right, we got Tony from California is here. Tony, where are you at in California? What part? Uh, the um, the valley. The in the valley. valley. You know what all the. It's a valley girl. Oh, yeah, for sure. Gag me with a spoon. And, and anyway, I was going to say Lovely Pita would be a great uh, food song. Oh, very nice. Lovely Pita. It's actually funny that you mentioned that uh, because we, we've done that on the show, too, the, the food song. So that was very cool. It was from oh, At Midnight. Yeah. Yeah, very cool, man. That's right. Awesome. Thanks for your input. Which, which... Uh, I was going to say my question would be to you. 
is uh, we all know that like some uh, uh, popular figures in the world, they don't like to be you know seen when they go out to do anything. Like you go to concerts when you're not on stage yourself and uh, the like. And then there's actors, they're seen everywhere, and everybody knows who they are everywhere they go. Mm-hmm. Whereas the wrestlers are a particular breed where when you go, uh, um, a fan can see them, and they think they're the greatest star of all to them, and they'll go up to them and ask them questions, everything. Do you think that it's kind of nice to be halfway there where a wrestling fan will think you're the, the greatest star of all, but the regular public won't even know who you are? As opposed to being an actor, everyone would come up to you and always. Well, that's not really that's not really the case. I think um, it just depends on what kind of fans are around. I mean, I know actors that no one will know who they are. You know, if you if you go like you know you, you go to Breaking Bad or something like that, and obviously you get the top leads of the show and everybody knows them. But it's like that in wrestling too. I think if you if you're a top top star, people kind of know who you are and. If if they're fans of yours, you know, I mean, there, there's not there's not a day that goes by that someone doesn't recognize me. I'm not saying that in any egotistical way, but there's a lot of wrestling fans, or there's a lot of Chris Jericho fans. Like in my case, I've done a lot of things. Like when I did Dancing with the Stars, I had more fans than I've ever had in my life because there was wrestling fans and Dancing with the Star fans, and there's five times as many Dancing with the Star fans as there are wrestling fans just by the amount of ratings that 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 the show gets. So it kind of depends on what you're doing. And where you are as to who's recognized more than others. So um, I guess it all depends on on, on the fans that, that you see. But you know, being in the public eye is being in the public eye. And if you're on a show, someone is going to know who you are and somebody else is not going to know who you are. And obviously if you're Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks or something along those lines. But it's the same for you know Hulk Hogan or, or Steve Austin. Everybody knows those guys because they're pop culture icons that have kind of transcended beyond just wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, like for instance, when you go to the concert, like you you said with your son or something like that, do you? How do you go into a concert and nobody like just constantly bothers or says anything? You don't. You just just, recognize. They do. You just be nice, and and most people just want to say hi and kind of move move on their way, or maybe maybe they want a picture, but it takes you know twenty seconds, and then once people get their little piece of of you or get get what they want then they just move on. So, I mean, if, if it gets too much of a hassle, then you just kind of have to say no. But, you know, for me, if I go into a crowd of 20 people, maybe five will know. And then you say hi to those five people, and then, you, and then you're fine. You know, so it, it all depends on where you go. But most of the time, if, if someone recognizes you, you just say hi, and, and, then, and then move on, and everybody's happy. So, all thanks. right, well, thank you. I really appreciate taking my call, and it was awesome. Thanks for listening to the show, Tony. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thanks for linking to Amazon through the Talk is Jericho page at podcastone.com. Every time you do your shopping that way, Amazon kicks back a little cash to this show so I can keep bringing you the pot of thunder twice a week for free. You know what? I do a lot of talking on this show. I got I to uh, hydrate with water. That costs money. I need a lozenge once in a while. That's a funny word. Say it with me. Lozenge. All of these things cost money. So link to Amazon through the Talk is Jericho page as much as Humanly possible or unhumanly possible if you're a vampire. And thanks for hitting that download button. In fact, if you like what you're hearing here in Talk is Jericho, tell a friend to check out the show. And then they can tell a friend and so on and so on and so on. And you can even hit that subscribe button at iTunes so you never miss an episode. The show will go directly to your device. No questions asked. No hassle. Listen, I know there's a hundred podcasts for you to choose from. 
I really appreciate you joining me here on Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and every Friday. So we'll see you on Friday for former WWE superstar and current concussion expert Chris Nowinski will be here. You do not want to miss this episode. So stay hungry. Stay hard. Stay cool. We love you all. You're the greatest. God bless you. See you next week. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com. 